dead than all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Happy Wednesday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm doing well. Everybody's doing well. Woohoo! Ooh, boy. I'm still working on a game for the might happen North Texas RPG Con. Getting Gage into it. Gage came in to me the other night with a bunch of things he's gleaned from Savage Worlds, which I was really proud of. He actually looked through the book. And one thing I like about Gage is the fact that he's 16, I'm 62. His 16-year-old brain picks up on more stuff than my old 62-year-old brain does. So that's a good thing. And we just talked about it for a half hour about it, and we came to some clarification. And I'm sure when we're at the table running this, he's going to remind me more than I need him, than I'm going to feel comfortable with. But that's okay. That's what, you know, that's part of what he's there for. So anyway, I want to talk about, I was thinking about that five-room dungeon yesterday. And I wanted to talk about the idea of the dungeon. And we'll talk about that after this. All right, before we get into it, I got a voicemail from Big John Allen Large, and he wanted he was talking about the episode I did about recently about voices. So go ahead, John. Hey, Glenn, it's John here from the Red Dice Diaries. Just been listening to your Again with the Voices episode. And yeah, I think you make a good point. It's all about sort of reading the situation in your game and determining how much voices are going to benefit versus annoy people in your games or sort of interfere with the games. I certainly know that when I run games, I mainly run them online. I often have people who don't speak English as a first language as players, and sometimes this can create confusion with accents, which I'm normally pretty quite pretty happy to do, to be honest. So what I tend to do is, as you were saying, I tend to do the accent for the first sort of few times they speak to this NPC, and then I'll sort of slowly phase back into my normal voice just because it's easier for people to understand. Anyway, enjoying the episodes, dude. Keep up the good work, and I'll catch you soon. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Yeah, um, that's pretty much my modus operandi. Unless I can keep the, the voice going it doesn't irritate people, and it's you know I can convey what I want to convey. I will keep going with the voice myself, but I understand there are times when I do that, and then I just drop it so I can go on, and you know they know what he sounds like. It's fine, you know they're they're going with it. So I may pull pull the voice up for like one or two lines, but that's about it. Anyway, thank you, John. I appreciate that. Now the idea of a dungeon is fun for me, but it's always a little bit mystifying because as I, I, I briefly covered upon in the, that episode, the idea of a, an area underground, unless it's something like a mine or something, is, is not, you got to make it plausible. And that's why Mega Dungeons always kind of bothered me. I love them. I love them. They got a lot of stuff in there that I can steal from break stuff apart, things like that. But as an entity in themselves, I don't know, to me it just come, becomes a board game at that point, more or less. Because in the real world, even in fantasy worlds, you know, the dungeon turns is, turning, is turned into a cliche in the game. So to me, it's my, my job, I always thought, was to make 
dungeons plausible in my campaign world. That's why I like small dungeons. And things that... And the five-room dungeon model works great for anything. For um, I keep thinking about using it to break into the thieves' guild in a town or a city. Well, you have to go through these these rooms and such just to get into the inner sanctum of the, say, the the head of the thieves' guild or something like that. Because they would do something like that. And if you have a thief or two in the party who happen to know this area and help know, know the guy, they will help you get through it. That doesn't mean they know how to get through it. Now, it might have been a long time since they were there, and they may have changed things up. So he's got to use his thiefly wiles and abilities to keep on the toes anyway, and everybody's going to have to keep on their toes. So you can use the five-room dungeon model for that. And there are other reasons why you should use it. Uh, wilderness areas. Just make it areas in a wilderness. I also like to do stuff like use it as plot. You know, that that's a that's an outline for a plot right there, a five-room dungeon. And the fact you can link them together is nice. And having offshoots of other things is nice. Anything that's flexible belongs in my game. And a five-room dungeon is flexible. That's just the way I am, because I'm a lazy dungeon master, and if I can take something and repurpose it for something else, that's a good thing. I'm repurposing a D &D, an old D&D module right now for a new game. And it all depends on how you do it. What you, you know, repurposing things like that is a good thing. Because that's how you keep it fresh, you keep it, you keep it fun. And, you know, one of the, one of my, one of my D GM books, like the Prepless Game Master, or was it the No Prep, or whatever, they said, you know, basically they said that originality is for suckers. You don't need to be original all the time. You can steal from stuff. And it, but the thing is, when you steal, you adapt. You adapt it to your situation. And if you can, try and change enough where people are going to go, oh, that's from Raiders of the Lost Ark, isn't it? That kind of thing. You don't want them to do that. Because sometimes it takes them out of the immersion and things like that. So that's something you got to keep in mind. But doing something like that, making a dungeon plausible, because if you think about it, there's a lot of areas in fantasy role-playing, in role-playing, in stories, whatever, that are basically dungeons. That a dungeon, if you think about it, I think... I think it was Dave Artis who came to the conclusion Dungeon is basically a maze path in like a computer game or something. And that's what, that, that, when I heard about that, that's the thing that bothered me because then I thought, well, then I'm just playing a board game that somebody has created. I don't want to play a board game. I want to play a role-playing game. So I keep my dungeon short and small you know, I can go up to, I go, I've gone up to, say, 12 rooms, and I'm okay. But anything beyond that is kind of, and splitting them into levels helps. I mean, if you're going to do 12 rooms, you can split them into, like, two levels, or three levels. And it all depends on what it is, too. If it is an actual underground dungeon, then it's one thing. But if it's, like, say, an abandoned temple, or ruin, that's even better. I mean, the lost minds of... Uh, I'm screwing that up again, but my friend, uh, <laughs> my friend Greg, 
who made Barrow Maze, the lost... What What the heck the name is it? What is it? The, the Lost Minds of... I can't... I'm sorry, Greg. Please forgive me. Oh, there it is. The Hidden Caverns of Thracia is a good is a good example because it takes place mostly in a, a ruins and the ruins are the dungeon and they're above most of them are above ground another thing is barrel maze there is the mega dungeon barrel maze which is spread over a large area there's no real levels to it but there's also these barrel mounds around it because it's kind of a city of the dead big cemetery thing there's these barrel mounds around it, which are short dungeons. They're like four or five rooms with crypts in them, with, you know, with barrel mounds and, and you know, crypts and, and coffins and things like that. So you have the best of both worlds, as far as I'm concerned. You can do a mega dungeon if you want. I don't say, I, but most of my play, I've been, I've been down into barrel mains a couple of times, usually with Labyrinth Lord. And it, it I we spent a lot of our time going through the barrel mounds because that was a whole lot of fun. You never know what you're gonna find. So there's that. Like I said, making a dungeon plausible and adaptable to other things is your goal. So go ahead and think about that. I'm gonna go start my day. So if you guys want to talk about this or anything else, oldmangrognargmail.com or you can drop a voicemail on anchor. We're monetized to as little as 99 cents a month. You too can help support this program, and I would thank you. Thanks again, Jonathan, Oliver, Gilbert, Juan Carlos, Daniel, Dan, Benjamin, Jason, and John. You guys are great. Don't forget the Jung, Y-U-N-G, Grognard podcast. That's Dan Gregg's podcast to listen to. A couple more recommended. Mark C. Walring's The Yawning Owlbear podcast. And Big John Allen Large's The Red Dice Diary. So... Until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air.